Good morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, as John mentioned, we are going to be in our week two of the appearing, and uh, we're looking through the first three chapters of the book of John, and um, really looking at the appearing of Christ. Um, before Jesus came on the scene during this particular time period, there was um, a lot of expectation for the Messiah, the anointed one, the Savior, to come into the earth. And what we see um, happening in each of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is we see the appearing of the Messiah. This is going to carry us all the way through to Christmas and, and really looking at, though, what what appeared? What came on the scene? And today, um, I really want us to dive into this and see that the, it is the appearing of what I would call the baptizer, but not John the Baptist, Jesus. Because Jesus came to baptize not with water, as John did, but to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I will say this, if the Holy Spirit's not moving in us and among us, then we have nothing. It is um, that we are dependent upon the work of the Spirit of God. And my prayer is, and is always, that He, that third person of the Trinity, the Spirit of God, would move in our hearts today. So today, to start this message, I want to read from John chapter 1, and then we're going to flip over to Luke chapter 3. And the reason we're going to do that is Luke gives a little more detail um, about the baptism that John came to baptize with and the baptism that Jesus came to baptize with. And so John chapter 1, verse 19, picking up where we left off last week, it says this, Now this was John's testimony, meaning John the Baptist. John's testimony, when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. And so John had this huge ministry. Even you get on into the book of Acts, as far as Ephesus, it's like, um, I think it was like 900 miles from Jerusalem. What you begin to see is that there were people who were still talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. They said they were disciples of John. He had a far-reaching, powerful ministry that God used. And so the Jewish leaders, now that this is happening and John is baptizing all of these, these people, and, and it seems that God is doing something, they send these Jewish leaders to go and check this out and say, what really is going on, John? Who are you? What authority gives you, uh, are you given to do these baptisms? Why are you baptizing? And so they go out and says, they asked him who he was. Verse 20, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I'm not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I'm not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet. So Isaiah, um, several centuries before, had declared that there would be one who came uh, before the Messiah. And this is what it would be for. I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you're not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Now, if you can flip to the left a little ways to Luke chapter 3, beginning 
in verse 7. So you'll see right above this in your Bible um, those same uh, verses that are quoted there with a little more detail. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. This was John's ministry, to prepare people's hearts for the coming of Jesus. But in Luke 3, 7, it says, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God could raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Skip over now to verse 15. The people were waiting expectantly. So they're looking for the Messiah and we're all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. John is saying in this that I am I'm not even worthy to untie. He's saying, I'm not worthy to do the most menial task of a servant because he is so great. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather up the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the good news to them. I want us to pray. I'll tell you what's been on my heart. Why don't we stand and pray this morning? I don't want us to go through the motions of this. I'd ask you, if you are able to stand and to pray, um, let's just ask the Lord to stir our hearts today through his spirit, God. We do pray for that right now, that you begin to stir our hearts, awaken us to the reality of your presence, awaken us to the, the, the truth of your existence here right now with us, that this would not be something we just merely mentally assent to, Lord, but that, God, this would be the great revelation that guides our life. I thank you for your spirit who indwells your children, those who have called upon you by faith, those, God, who, who are um, belonging to you right now. And I pray, Lord, for many of us that that flame has possibly even dwindled down to a flicker. Lord, today I pray, God, that you would make that turn into a blazing fire, a consuming fire, Lord, that you would consume our lives, not to destroy, but to give life. Lord, would you do that for us now? God, as we open your word, as we hear it um, proclaimed, God, stir our hearts to a roaring fire. God, a greater love for you, that God, you would shine through us, you would work in us, you would give us courage and boldness to fulfill the purposes for which you have created us. And God, let us enjoy our relationship with you and God, keep our hearts fanned into a flame that burns for you. We love you, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go ahead and be seated then. And, and, and as we look at this today, um, it really is the appearing of someone greater. Uh, last week, we looked at how Jesus existed before time, and, and then um, he began to create. And as the word of God was spoken, um, that, that there was creation, and we know that Jesus was the word, and he was with God, and we looked at all of that last week. But as the word was spoken, it was the power of the Holy Spirit who began to 
create. It was the power of the Holy Spirit who, who began to um, cause something to come from nothing, to turn something void and empty and dark into something. I don't know if you've ever watched someone paint um, a, a picture and, and you're watching them do this. You know, there's different shows on TV and, and they'll start painting something. And as they're painting, you're like, what is that? You can't really tell. And then all of a sudden it starts taking form and, and, and somehow that artist was able to see this blank canvas and they were able to create something really incredible from what seemed to be nothing. And even in the process, it seemed to be just a bunch of different colors and then all of a sudden it begins to form this picture and, and it becomes something beautiful. I want you to understand that that's what God does with our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the work of Jesus, through saying yes to Christ, he begins to take something that is really nothing, that is void and empty and dark, and he begins to create something out of it. So that in Ephesians 2.10, Paul makes this declaration as he's writing this letter to the Ephesians. He says that we have become God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. Through the saving work of Jesus and the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist comes on the scene and, and we see this where he is proclaiming to them, get your hearts right because one who is greater is coming. He tells them this in verse 20, that they're asking him, who are you? What are you doing? What's happening? And he tells them this, he, he says, I am not the Messiah. If you go to how this is written in Greek, I'm not a big Greek nerd, but, but there's a lot you can learn from this. He says this, he says in this way, he says, I, the I is stressed, I am not the Messiah. It's as if John were saying this, I am not the Messiah, but he's already here. Isn't that awesome? He's like, I am not him, but he's here. He even says it later on. He says, there was one who you do not know who stands among you. And I wonder how many of us in here today realize that Jesus right now stands among us. That the Holy Spirit right now, he is working among us. My question to you would be this, do you know him? There is one whom you do not know who stands among you. He is here right now. Do you know him? He goes in verse 23 and he says, this is who I am. I'm the one that was spoken about by Isaiah. I'm the one who was sent to declare that, that, that as one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. And I love this because in that day, in that area, the roads would tend to get really rough. Sometimes they were little more than a trail. And, and this is what they're really calling on. And Isaiah would say, look, these rough roads, look, the, the, these things that aren't really that, that great, they're, they're rough, they're, they're grown up. He's saying this, there's a king coming, so prepare the roads. And in those days when a king or a conqueror would be, begin to come into a city as preparation, they would go and they would make the road smooth and they would make the path right. And, and so for the king to honor him as he's coming in and John the Baptist is saying this, he's saying, listen, he's among us, he's coming, 
prepare the way, get your heart right, smooth out those rough edges, get your heart before the Lord because he is coming. I would tell you this today, here's the place that we live in. On one hand, the king has come. On one hand, we look at scripture. We know that Jesus has come and he has already walked the earth. He has made that final sacrifice for us. The king has come. And this is what John was talking about. The king is coming. Prepare your hearts. But here would be what I would tell you today. Not only has the king come, but the king is still coming. There will be another day when he will appear again. And I would ask you today, is your heart ready? Is your heart ready? Is your relationship with Jesus in the right place? Which side of the cross are you on? By faith, have you crossed over into life? Do you know him? Do you realize that he is here? And do you realize that there will be a day that he comes to judge the living and the dead? And I would ask you this, where do you stand with him right now? Have you been made alive through the power of his Holy Spirit? Or in your heart, do you know I'm still dead? But he says the king is coming. John 24 and 25, in, verse, in chapter 1, he says the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why are you baptizing if you're not the Messiah or Elijah? And he says this, I baptize with water, but there's one who's coming that you do not know. He will come after me and the straps of his sandals. I'm not worthy to untie and I'll drift back over. Let's turn back over to Luke chapter three. Verses seven to nine. John says to the crowds, he calls them a brood of vipers. He calls them snakes. He said, Who, who's told you to come to flee from the coming wrath? In other words, he's saying, look, when a fire comes through and it begins to burn everything, he says the snakes come out of their holes and they begin to flee. He's saying, you've come out now and you're starting to crawl out of your holes, you evil people. He says, who warned you? Who, how do you know that this is about to happen? He says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. He's saying, don't just give lip service, but does your life reflect the fact that you belong to him, to God? There's no question of what John is asking them. He's not asking them, you know, um, do you confess to know the Lord? He's saying, does your life reflect the fact that you know the Lord? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not bear produce fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John on one hand is saying the king is coming. He is coming. The other thing he's saying is it is imminent and you need to get your heart right. And he's telling them, that don't think because you belong to Abraham going all the way back to when God began to go to Abraham and began to form his people from Abraham's children. He's saying, don't dare go back and think that just because 
you belong to Abraham, you are from that lineage, and you belong to the Israelites, that you belong to God. He's saying God can raise up children from anywhere. And he's saying don't think that just because you have that heritage and that lineage that you are a child of God. And I would challenge us with the same thing. Don't think that just because you've been in church, don't think that just because your family have always been Christians that you are a child of God. How many of y'all ever noticed this? That every house you walk into has a smell. Y'all ever noticed that? Every, every house has its own smell, right? You, you walk in, you're like, some you're like, wow, this house smells good. And then another one you're like, this house smells like a locker room. Sometimes Susan will ask people when they walk in, they're like, what's our house smell like? Because you don't know. Like it could be really good or it could be really bad. And we've got three boys, so I'm pretty sure I know what our smells like. But you walk in and you, every house has its own smell. How many of you have noticed this smell? Like if you go into a lot of churches and, and in the older churches, like maybe you go into the library or, or where there's books and things like that and you smell that, that, that it's got a certain smell. You smell it. Same thing here. You walk in, there's a certain smell. There's a couple of places that, that I've had meaningful encounters with God. And, and um, when I walk into those places, there's that certain smell that reminds me of that. There's that certain smell. And here's the thing, though, that I would tell you. Just because you smell like the church, just because you smell like the house of God, just because you smell like some place that God has moved before, don't let that fool you into thinking that you belong to God. You can stand around a fire and you walk away with your clothes smelling like smoke, but the reality of it is Jesus doesn't ask us the question of have you been around the fire? Jesus asks us the question, is the fire inside of you? Is he living inside of you? This is what I would tell you. This is reality. You can look at two people who live almost identical lives. They can check all the boxes. They can do work that, that, that advances, you know, the, the name of Jesus. They can have all the things in the right place. And when they stand before Jesus, one of them can hear, well done, good and faithful servant. The other one can hear, depart from me for I never knew you. Jesus says, you can do things. He even talks about that, 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 that people will say, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. And he says, depart from me for I never knew you. The question is, do you know him? The question is, does he know you? Is there a relationship that exists there? Is the Spirit of God living in you? Is there a relationship? Here's something I thought about as we're worshiping this morning and we're singing this song, worthy, worthy, worthy. And then we sing gratitude. And here's the thing that I really believe. If we can stand and sing those songs, we can come in week after week and our hearts are not stirred by singing those songs. It does nothing in us. 
nothing for us, then I would encourage you to check your heart. If nothing moves inside of you when you are praising the King of Kings, when you're lifting your heart and your voice to God, then there's something there that we probably need to check. There's nothing stirring inside of us. John tells us this. He says, look, there's one coming who's greater. Jesus has been. He has come. But he is still coming. The question is, is your heart right? Is your heart ready? to meet him. Luke 15 and 16, it says this, the people were waiting expectantly and all were wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Messiah. He says, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. In Acts chapter 1, verse 5, Jesus tells them a few days from now, and you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's something to this. When we look at this, John is promising that one more powerful is coming, and he's going to do something in us that is so much more powerful than just going under the water. Listen, this is a huge thing. We celebrate this, but this is a symbol of what Jesus has done for us and in us that there is so much bigger. The word baptized can actually mean wash. It means, yes, we come up out of that water, it's symbolic of our sins being cleansed. But what we see in this is he's saying there's this greater cleansing. It's not an outward cleansing, it's an inward cleansing. And it happens through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God comes upon us and in us and he gives us union with Jesus and he gives us union with each other. He says he's coming to baptize you with a power that you don't currently have. Even in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not indwell people permanently. But on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, it's the first time that men and women who have faith in Christ are filled with the Spirit permanently. The power of God permanently to live the life that God has called them to live. Does the Spirit of God burn in you? Is His life in you? In the Old Testament, when they would make sacrifices, some of them were burnt offerings, and these burnt offerings were for the atonement of sin. It was for the forgiveness of sin. It was so that they would um, be forgiven in the sight of God, made right with God, and these animals were burned and consumed. But in the New Testament, we see something different. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12 to offer our lives as living sacrifices. And as I think about that, I believe this, that as we put ourselves on the altar, God is still a consuming fire. But he consumes us when we surrender our lives to him, not to destroy us, but to give us life. Make us burn for him. 
give us the power and ability to do what we can't do on our own. When we offer our lives to him, he will consume us. He will give us life. He will give us boldness. But listen, and this is what's really on my heart right in this moment, is you've got to cast off the religious junk and get serious about pursuing Jesus. It doesn't happen because you show up. It doesn't happen just by being here. It happens in pursuit. It happens in following. It doesn't happen because I wear a label of Christianity. That label of Christianity can burn in hell with you. Listen, I know that sounds harsh, but understand the gravity of the situation. Labels don't save you. Faith in Jesus does. It's the Spirit of God in you. Have you said yes to Christ? Luke 3, 17 and 18, he says, his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and proclaimed the, listen to this, the good news. The good news is the King is coming. The good news is he's coming to take what is his, what belongs to him. But John says this, he's gonna separate. That's what the Spirit of God does, is he separates out. He separates out those who belong to him and those who don't. And he's saying his threshing fork is in his hand. In other words, he's got this wheat and it's laying here and, and we all represent it, are represented in this wheat. And he takes this threshing fork, I visualize it kind of like a pitchfork, and he sticks it in and he throws it way up in the air. And the seed, after he is, has, has, has beaten on this and it's, it's, it's ready, he throws it up and the seed will fall to the ground. But the chaff that is empty the chaff that has nothing inside of it is blown away. And he throws it up in the air and, and, and then the wind will blow away what does not contain the seed. And it separates the wheat from the chaff. And he says all that that's, that's blown away, he'll gather it up and it's gonna be burned but he gathers this into his storehouse. Here's my question. When you are thrown up, when your life is thrown up into the air, when Jesus tosses this into the air, are you gonna land at his feet? Because you belong to him. Are you gonna be carried away? Separated for eternity. This is so big, guys. I was backstage and right before coming out to preach and I'm pacing back and forth. This is what I do. I just, I still get nervous. I just pace and pray and plead and beg and 
So I'm walking. I literally, in my mind, I heard this thought, why are you taking this so seriously? Promise, why are you taking this so seriously? Isn't this kind of extreme? That you get so worked up about coming out here on, on Sundays and proclaiming God's word. Isn't that a little extreme? Is it really that important? The thoughts that were going through my head. And then I realized in that moment, this is the most important thing we can do. Because eternity hangs in the balance of how we answer this question. Have I said yes to Jesus? Have I been baptized with the Spirit of God? Have I been filled with the Spirit? Have I come to life in Christ? Where am I dead and empty? Because what is dead and empty will be carried away. But what is filled with the Spirit of God, has, what has, who has said yes to Christ, will land at his feet and be gathered to him. There's two, two questions I want us to close with. One is this. Do you belong to Jesus? Like, have you said yes to Christ? I'm not talking about lip service. I'm talking about you put your life on the altar and you said, God, I belong to you. I am yours. And the Holy Spirit has changed your heart. He has filled you with a love for God. It doesn't mean you get it all perfect, but it means that it matters, that this matters. If we can show up week after week and it doesn't matter, something is wrong. Something is wrong. And it would be spiritual malpractice for me not to challenge you on this. Something is wrong if I can show up week after week or, or I can just show up every now and then and it just doesn't matter. Have you said yes to Jesus? The second question is this, is the flame burning inside of you? If you said yes, and listen, for some of us, and this happens to everybody at some point in time, in some way, to some degree, it's like that flame begins to go out. It's not extinguished, but sometimes we have to fan it into flame. Sometimes we have to come back to the Lord and say, God, I need you and I'm not gonna stop pursuing you because I need your presence. And God will faithfully give us more of himself. But the first question is this, and I don't wanna rush through this. I, I want us to take our time with this. Sometimes we can get in a place where we begin to rush through things to try to end the service sometimes it can feel awkward, but we need to push past the awkwardness. First question is, do you belong to Christ? I'm not asking you if you smell like smoke. Listen, I don't care if you've been around the fire. The question is, isn't the fire in you? I'm not asking you if you smell like the church or you know the cliches. If, if all we ever 
we're able to say about God is cliches. There's never anything new. And I wonder how much we're pursuing him. Do you know him? Do you know him? Because if you don't, I want you to understand the king is among us. And today, he's inviting you. That invitation doesn't, see, he is inviting people to say yes to him. And for you, maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. And you know that. Then how long? How long? How long do you wait? How long, how long, how long do you just keep going through life empty, going through the motions, carrying the weight of your sin and guilt and condemnation rather than saying yes to the one who took it all for you? There's no God like him. There's no one like him who takes the sin of the world upon himself and the punishment for that sin so that you can be forgiven. Nobody does that but him. Today, you say yes to him for the first time. Jesus, take my sin and give me righteousness. Jesus, take my life and give me your life. Jesus, fill me with your spirit for the first time. Today, that's where you're at and you say, this is my cry today. What I want you to do is where you are, put your hand in the air and say, today I need Jesus. Today I'm saying yes to him. Fill me, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit. Today I need you, God. I realize this, God, I need you in my life. And I've never said yes to you before, but today's the day. And let's answer the second question. Second question is this. Is it burning inside of you? Is Jesus burning inside of you? Has that flame become a flicker? Does it need to be fanned into a flame again? What was isn't anymore. And you know that there's this, almost like a darkness that can begin to creep in. The Bible says that if we ask, God will give us more of his spirit. Are you content to continue to live in carnality and in your flesh, just kind of drifting along? Are you at a place where you want more of God, more of his spirit? And I would say this, if that's what we want, then why don't we come put our lives figuratively, symbolically, and tangibly on the altar of God and ask him to consume us. 
So today, that is this invitation, is to come and let us pray with you. Let's pray for each other. We are one body, one family, one people who, who belong to the same King, the same God. Why don't we come and pray for each other? Why don't we come and cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, fill us with your spirit, with your power, with your presence, fan into flame what has dwindled in my heart. And I would ask you right now that, that if that's a cry of your heart, would you move and come for prayer? Would you come and allow people to pray for you? Even right now, I mean, we don't have to go through anything, um, the, 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 any kind of uh, special actions. We just need to come and pray. Like it's that simple. There's no formula to it, it's just pray. It's come offer yourselves as a living sacrifice and say, God, in my heart, I need you to do something. I need more of you right now, God, to move in me, to do in me what I can't do for myself. Would you fan into flame, God? What's dwindled in my heart? I'm gonna pray if you need to come and be prayed for, if you need to come and offer your life as a living sacrifice, there's things in your life you know aren't right. Do not continue going through the motions. If you declare that you are one who belongs to Jesus, offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. Let him consume you with the power of his spirit to fill you again with the power of his presence. Lord, I thank you this morning that you would work in our hearts. Today, God, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would stir us, that you would stir us. God, we thank you this morning uh, that you have come. I thank you, God, that you will come again to take what is yours, to, to, to separate out, God, evil from, from what is righteous and good in your sight. I thank you for that. Lord, I pray right now that you would just continue to move in us, God. I pray, Lord, for an awakening, God, in our hearts, in our hearts, in our hearts. I, I pray, Lord, we wouldn't move because we feel condemned. I pray, God, that we would move because we have a passion and a hunger for you, Lord. God, awaken us to the reality of who you are, a greater understanding, a greater revelation, a greater revelation. This is what I feel like the Lord has put in my heart. That just like in that beginning of creation, the Spirit of God is hovering. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here to work and to move.
If that's not the cry of our heart, that nothing else will do, then there's areas of our life that we need to repent. There are things other than Christ that's controlling us. And we need to have a change of direction, a turning away from our sin and a turning to God. A change of mind about what we'll do, what we'll do, what will do enough for us. today is that we would come to a place where our lives are wholly surrendered. The Spirit of God consumes us. And our love for God is what moves us. Pray that today the Lord would challenge each of us, myself included, to examine our hearts and see where we are. To let him set us free from those things that hold us back. Jesus, we need you, Lord. nothing else will do. God, would you rebuke that religious spirit inside of us? It tends to cause us just to go through the motions. To do good enough to feel good. still not enjoying who you are. Father, I thank you for your great love for us. That even in your judgment, we see your mercy, God, that you've given us in Christ the good news. Thank you for him and thank you for your spirit who indwells us. Thank you that when we do begin to wander, you draw us back through the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray we would be done with fruitless living. And that we would cling to you and allow you to produce your life through us. Father, we love you. We praise you. You are worthy. In Jesus' name.